0: Welcome to Type It Out with T and Cass, the podcast where we talk all things Enneagram and Ag, learning and growing together in who we were made to be. I'm T. And I'm Cass. We're a couple of ranching women who are also self-professed
1: Enneagram nerds. You may have heard of the Enneagram, but for those who haven't, the Enneagram is a personality typing system, but it's not like all the others. Where the others determine your type based on traits, your Enneagram type is determined by motivations. We're so glad
0: you're here, and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back, friends. We are continuing on our series about how to find your type. Last time, we worked through some questions centered around the core motivations of each type, and this episode, we are going to reveal... Which core motivation goes with which type? Now, remember, the motivation of each type is determined by our fear, desire, our weakness, or deadly sin, or passion, depending on what information you're taking in from what teacher, and your longing. So, the longing is what we want to hear. To counter the lies we tell ourselves, the longing is also something and cast. You can chime in here if you agree or disagree, but the longing is something that I believe that can only be filled by Jesus. Like humans can tell us, but to fill that hole completely, to heal that wound, that's a Jesus thing.
1: Yes, because This is something that cannot be fulfilled by stuff, by other people, um, by strong arming some feeling that you're having into submission. Um, this is all pretty both esoteric, you know, kind of like you could, you could call it wooey if you want, but it's also very basic to who we are and what is in our hearts so as you're thinking, if you're still kind of uncertain about your type, or if you think, you know, um, in my experience and Taryn, you can chime in and tell me if you agree or disagree. Um, when you hear the longing of your type, something inside of you is going to go, Oh, or, mm-hmm, or, and feel kind of seen with that longing. Cause a lot of the time, the longing is not something that you maybe have even, vocalized or said to anyone or expressed out loud it's just something that is always kind of underneath the surface of how you move through the world so yeah i and in in my opinion my personal opinion and also obviously taryn's personal opinion jesus is what you need here but i also don't want to exclude any of our listeners who do not believe in the christian tradition (laughs) Taryn, <laughs> do you like my need to add a disclaimer to literally yes. everything I say?
0: <laughs> and, you put it, and you put it in the disclaimer
1: voice even. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have, yeah, it's, I put it in the, just, so you know, this medication may cause side effects, including death.
0: <laughs> like this personality tool may cause you to be more self-aware and improve communicating with others.
1: <laughs> use with caution. Okay. Let us proceed, uh, listeners. I was going to say readers because um, that's you know, dear readers. Dear listeners, can you tell it is 8 p.m. and Taryn and I are this is the evening time. So we're we're a little a little silly. So, Taryn, let us let us be silly and tell everybody about our types and the motivation. So here's how we're going to go. We're going to read the mo- the we're going to let you know which which set of questions or which types you can kind of, you know, line up the questions that we asked last time with the motivations of the type. And then we'll do a quick summary of how this, how this translates and what it looks like. And maybe give you a few more extra tidbits about each type just so you know, cause I'm a one and I like to have a plan. So everyone, there is our plan for this episode.
0: Yes. The plan. Okay. <laughs> Starting with our first core motivation of self-reliance, that was the first set of questions that we asked about in our last episode. The fear, this is the type eight's motivation. Self-reliance is the type eight's motivation. The fear for the type eight is appearing weak, being vulnerable, feeling powerless or manipulated. They desire to protect themselves and others in their inner circle, um, which means they can be really big champions for the underdog. Their weakness or sin is lust. And you'll notice that some of these weakness slash sins are not literal. So it's do not literally lust after the flesh. Their lust is after control. And their core longing is to hear you will not be betrayed. In summary,
1: <laughs> type eights have the most energy of all the types on the Enneagram. They approach life with confidence and intensity and are in the business of making things happen. This is one of my favorite things about eights. Like you cannot present a situation to an eight that they will not figure out like how to do. I adore it. I love it. They present themselves as strong and self-assured as a way of making sure they don't get hurt. This is a wall, everyone. This is like an armor that they carry. But under that tough exterior is a soft heart that wants to be loved and taken care of. So they're like
0: a puppy yeah they like m&ms they have a like hard candy shell but the inside is soft and sweet (laughs) oh now i
1: want some m&ms um also a note the golden rule you know do unto others as you would have them do unto you does not apply to eights it doesn't
0: yes eights Value directness and honesty, and they treat people with directness and honesty, and other people get their feelings hurt because they perceive the directness as rudeness, even though that is not the intent of the eights. Therein lies the fact that the rule does not apply to eights. And because, therein also, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh no, go go with what you're going with.
1: we're leaving this in, um, therein also lies. One of my personal favorite parts of the Enneagram is understanding how each type communicates and their intentions behind it. Because as a one, um, if I, when I know someone is an eight and they're being super direct with me, I know that's just how they communicate. They're not doing it to be critical or harmful or on purpose to be mean, unless they're a butthead, because as one of our favorite eights has said, all of your types and motivations and things do not excuse you from being an asshole. Just that's our primary rule of the Enneagram (laughs) (laughs) just because you are the way you are doesn't mean you can do it no assholery around here friends but that is (laughs) one of my favorite things to know or about the Enneagram is it really helps you understand where people are coming from and thus I enjoy it because then you get like the most unfiltered genuine experience with someone when you can set aside how you feel about how they're communicating with you in the sense that like if you're being offended and they don't mean to offend you, you know what I mean? But again, if they're being a butt, they're just being a butt. That's not a, a type. All types can be butts. All types have butts, unless they're M&Ms. Both this are This is getting really far into the week. Both are true. M&M's don't have butts. All right, we better move on before I start making some more weird <laughs> metaphoric comparisons between candy and butts.
0: Our next Motivation is keeping the peace, and that motivation belongs to the type nines. I am a type nine. Our fear is conflict, tension, being overlooked, and loss of connection. Type nines desire having peace and inner stability, and the weakness of a nine is sloth, and when I tell people that my weakness is sloth, or like, we're talking about the Enneagram. They sometimes will say, but you're not lazy. No, no, this isn't like what we think of as laziness. It's spiritual laziness. So falling asleep to desires, et cetera, to keep the peace. The longing of the type nine is your presence matters.
1: In summary, we need a sticker of a sloth for the type nines because sloths are adorable. In actual summary, surprisingly enough, there was sarcasm there. Type nines have the least energy of all of the types in the Enneagram. They appear easygoing and calm and level-headed like our good friend T. And nines are known to go along, to get along in an effort to avoid conflict and preserve their inner and outer peace while they are stubborn. We love a stubborn nine. Maybe we need a donkey and a sloth, a donkey sloth. That's weird. Um, While they're stubborn, nines often do not express opinions and desires also in an effort to maintain their perceived inner peace. So in my favorite communication part of the Enneagram, if you have a nine in your life, listen to them, make sure, you know, they know that you want to hear their hopes, desires, and opinions about things. And then actually like, not like as a token opinion, like, what do you think about this? And you're going to go do what you were going to do anyway, like actually listen and take their opinion into account, which you should do with everyone, but especially our nine friends, because they often will not offer up opinion if they think it's going to cause conflicts or if they think it's going to be a sticky wicket if you will is that correct t
0: that is correct uh i i want to elaborate a little bit on the lack of energy in a nine the reason that nines have the least amount of energy is because it takes a lot of energy to Keep everything inside that might cause conflict out, and everything out that might cause conflict or upheaval within. It's very exhausting. And that is why nines have the least amount of energy on the Enneagram.
1: Yes. And nines can also see all sides all the time, which I think probably also takes energy seeing every side of every conflict of any situation y'all can see all perspectives which makes you very fun to talk to and very excellent in a crisis when your friends on the Enneagram whose types shall go unmentioned call you and are on their high horse about something or someone that just um it's me it's me everyone it's (laughs) it's me (laughs) perhaps I call Taryn when I need someone to help me slow my self-righteous one role and help me see another perspective. But I also know that that costs her sometimes. And I'm very, I'm publicly thanking you.
0: For I like your- to say, I can't not see more than one side because I often wish that I could only see the side that I'm standing on. However, I can't not see another way. (laughs) I am grateful to you as someone
1: uh, moves through the world as if I am right all the time. It kind of can get you into trouble. Speaking of people who move through the world, like they're right all the time.
0: What is our next motivation, Taryn? Perfection. (laughs) And that motivation belongs to our type ones their fear is being wrong bad or evil their desire is being good right and having integrity and their weakness is anger but because anger sometimes feels bad or wrong it bubbles out slowly in the form of resentment and their longing is to hear you are good not you are good at something insert whatever that something is but You are actually a good human. This is me, everyone.
1: So I'm going to tell you about the type ones. Type ones are responsible, self-disciplined, and feel personally obligated to improve themselves and the world around them. They're the only type to have an inner critic constantly criticizing and berating them. Berating is a good word here, T. Um, And I can say that to T because she wrote all these, (laughs) everyone. T is the wordsmith behind these summaries because if i wrote them this episode would be 1200 years long and because of this inner critic ones often struggle to believe they are worthy or good enough so remember friends in my uh, in my unplanned theme of communication with each type sorry t i'm just gonna run i'm running with this run if you have a friend who's a one and you have something to criticize them about, please go gently with them. That does not mean protect them, right? If they need to hear it, they need to hear it, but they have already told themselves that thing. Criticism is very hard for ones because we have already criticized ourselves probably way worse than you're gonna, but it feels really hard when someone also says that, because then you're, then it feels like double bad. So oh, go easy. The wound. on the wound. Yeah, it is. It's like a salt in the wound. Criticism is hard for ones. They're just trying, we're just trying to do a good job. We're just trying to do our best. We know we can, we can be a lot. Also, we're not uptight. We swear. We come across
0: really uptight. We're not always uptight. Maybe a little bit. Ones also have this really cool superpower where they can walk into any room. Give me a room, any room. Anyway, they can walk into the room and they can pick up where there are inefficiencies. and not only pick up the inefficiencies, but have a plan for how to fix it, make it better, make it more efficient. I think that is so cool. However, ones might not feel that way because it's not so much that they see it as much as it is they're assaulted by it. (laughs) They can't not see the inefficiency. Like I can't not see all sides. So maybe they have different feelings about how cool that is, but I think it's cool. It's cool to a point.
1: (laughs) It's cool to a point. Cause like, I can also walk into my living room and see all of the things that need to be improved all the time. So there's our ones. There's our ones. I'm not going to talk about myself the whole time. So I bet, I bet you guys know what's coming next. I bet you guys know. What is it T?
0: Love and appreciation. The motivation is love and appreciation. And that motivation belongs to the type two The type two's fears are being unloved, rejected, or unwanted. They desire to feel appreciated, loved, and wanted, and their weakness is pride. And this pride comes in the belief that they don't have needs, but the rest of us do, and they don't. Their longing is to hear you are wanted and loved. Spoiler
1: alert. Twos also have needs. Just we should probably say that right now. Yeah. yeah. Type twos prioritize people and relationships. They have an innate ability to sense what others need and jump into action, providing for those needs. They take a genuine interest in other people, their feelings, and their needs. Type twos can struggle with setting boundaries and saying no. So remember to to take care of your twos because they kind of take care of everybody else. So if you can see a spot where you can step up and and appreciate a two and Um, I really benefit from knowing other people are twos because, um, help, like I shouldn't say helping people doesn't come like being super verbal and open with my appreciation. People does not come naturally to me. So if I know someone's a two, I try extra hard with them and to include them and offer them ways that they can help. So they feel appreciated. So your two, your two friends have needs. So take care of them too. I don't know why I'm using my disclaimer voice for that. That's, that's weird. It's not a disclaimer. Just, it's just a truth.
0: Yeah. Remind them that you love them and appreciate them. Also remind them that they can say no. Mm-hmm.
1: They can. Because yes.
0: twos are the ones that will bake the cookies for every dang bake sale, mm-hmm. even though they don't want to bake the cookies.
1: Yes. And something I have I have done with twos is give them a specific way that they can help. So, and so maybe they bake cookies instead of the entire meal, plus the appetizer, plus bring the plates and the tablecloths, like a specific, a specific way. Like I have a friend who's a two and she will, like, if you don't stop her, she will cook enough food for the entire County. If you're not very specific, bring two dozen cookies. And that way she only shows up with four dozen instead (laughs) of like a bus of food, a food bus. A food bus would be so cool. Is that basically a food truck?
0: Yeah, I think so. Why aren't there food buses though? There might be. I live in can like nowhere in the middle of nowhere. So I don't know a lot about food trucks. Neither. Except for every food truck Uh that I've ever visited, which is two, has had (laughs) really excellent (laughs) food. Yes. Urban listeners,
1: please weigh in. Are there food buses? Thank you. Thank you. Please weigh in. Can we please make a food bus sticker for the twos?
0: Okay. okay. The next <laughs> motivation is admiration and affirmation. And that motivation belongs to the type three. Type three's fear being thought worthless, appearing unsuccessful, Their desire is to have respect, admiration, be successful, be valuable. Their weakness is deceit. And this is not necessarily being deceitful to others, but in deceiving themselves because threes can, they're very charismatic and they have chameleon powers. So they can turn into who they need to turn into to meet the needs of the room. Their longing is to hear you are loved and valued for being you. Terry, you need to stop giving me
1: ideas for stickers. (laughs) I want a chameleon sticker. Thank you. Type threes are very energetic and driven by achievement. They're also very charismatic. Type threes have the ability to walk into a room, read it, and transform into who they believe the crowd wants or needs them to be. They can wear lots of different faces. They can struggle with the belief that their value is tied to their achievements and success. If you know a 3, you know these these people get a lot done. Like they are the masters at accomplishing things. They will do all the things. I'm thinking of a 3 in my life who like has some pretty pretty big stuff going on in her personal life but is also like killing it and also taking care of people i'm like that's so many things so kind of remind them that that doesn't matter it doesn't matter if they're if they're doing all the things they matter for who they are in their heart which leads us back to the fact that this this longing cannot be fulfilled by by stuff and things it's their heart their heart matters right listeners Taryn is laughing at me stuff and things my uncle says stuff and things I love it that's just how we that's how we all say it uncle Raj who's not listening now I need to convince uncle Roger to listen to this podcast
0: (laughs) 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 the next motivation is uniqueness and this motivation belongs to the type fours fours fear being inadequate emotionally disconnected, abandoned, or plain. They desire authenticity, being unique or special. Their weakness is envy and they do not envy tangible things. They envy the air quotes normal that they perceive in the rest of us. But what they may not realize is there's no such thing as normal. We're all varying levels of weird their longing is to hear you are seen and loved just as you are special and unique type
1: fours are the biggest feelers on the enneagram they live on a roller coaster of big deep emotions and that roller coaster goes real fast like they feel lots of things all the time the speed at which fours feel stuff like it both terrifies and fascinates me, like in a like go you kind of way. Like feel those feelings. Yeah. Cause I don't do that. Type fours often feel that they are somehow defective or missing that certain something that everyone else has. But as Tyran has mentioned, everyone does not have that thing. We are all to some degree faking it till we're making it or not making it. Just the illusion of making it which again reminds me, I've got to pay my taxes. They envy the normal they perceive perceive in others and often feel that no one can truly love them because of their missing pieces. So we need to remind them. You don't, you don't have any, you're not missing anything. You're fantastic.
0: Fantastic. Knowledge is the next motivation. It is the motivation that belongs to the type fives. Type fives fear being incapable or incompetent and having their energy depleted. Their desire is being knowledgeable and competent. Their weakness is avarice, which Cass taught me that that is just fancy for greed. And that comes in the form of hoarding their time, energy, resources, et cetera. Their longing is to hear your needs are not a problem. Avarice is one of my favorite words. That's a good
1: one. So type fives are inquisitive, craving all the knowledge. They wake up every day with a set amount of energy and are very aware of when their energy reserve is running low. They generally feel like they lack the inner resources it takes to meet the needs of relationships and life in general. So fives are not big emoters, everyone. That doesn't mean they don't have feelings. It just means they're not going to like, they're not going to talk about
0: them. They can believe that if they express emotions outwardly to other people, that that makes them appear incompetent. Mm, There it is. That that is not in fact, fact, but that is what they believe.
1: Yeah. Cause feelings and knowledge can sometimes feel separate. You know, they can sometimes feel separate. Um, I really love something that our, our five guest told us, Brooke Clay Taylor, that when a five expresses an opinion, um, realize that this is fives don't do much off the cuff this they, they don't just pull stuff out of thin air if they're exp- expressing an opinion to you it is something that they have gathered this this is a very well thought out well researched they've been gathering information their whole lives like they're they're kind of like tiny information pack rats they collect things all the time um and they not literal pack rats Listeners, remind me to tell you a story about a pack rat. Maybe we'll do that at the end of the bloopers. It's a really good one. And it involves Bert, who's a five. This is very on brand. They're sickers, a pack rat. Remind I, me to tell a story. That's today. why
0: I'm smiling slash laughing because now we have it's, little tiny, knowledge pack rats.
1: The fours are going to be unicorns. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I just had like a brain. Oh, so good. So good. Port The twos are going to be a food bus. We can maybe got to find an animal. <laughs> what, what animal is a food bus? Anyway, anyway. So when uh, five expresses an opinion, this is something that they have thought about. This is something that they have put time and energy into thinking about and formulating an opinion. So like respect that. That's not a light. You know, some other folks may throw out opinions like they're just like, whatever, fives don't do that. Fives rarely do things off the cuff. As someone who maybe throws opinions out fairly regularly. I appreciate that about fives. I really do.
0: Security and support is the next motivation, and that belongs to the type six. Type six is fear, feeling fear and not being supported, and lacking security. Their desire is to have security, guidance, and support. Their weakness is fear and here. That is just literal, literal fear is what holds them up. They struggle with literal fear. Their longing is to hear you are safe and secure. Type sixes are loyal
1: to the core. They are very faithful and committed. And like the ones have an inner critic type sixes have an inner committee that meets them or that meets in their mind not meets them in their mind that's probably schizophrenia the inner committee is there and it's meeting in their mind uh, chiming in with contradictory thoughts this makes decisions difficult and causes them to second guess doubt and feel generally anxious it's kind of like um, when you're trying to plan like a church bake sale and everyone has opinions about how the church bake sale should go and like keeps popping up with all the stuff that could go wrong at the bake sale that is what is happening in the mind of a six, but they are, these, these, these folks are prepared and they're also very loyal. I think sixes make really good friends. a <gasps> Phoenix, like in Harry Potter, you know, sixes or Phoenix makes the most loyal pets. That's what Dumbledore said, because
0: <laughs> <I like laughs> maybe not, maybe not. A box, Phoenix. But I know this much about Harry Potter.
1: Okay. So in Harry Potter, there's a phoenix, which is a bird that when it dies, it's reborn from the ashes. So you can never kill your pet phoenix. It's not a thing. Also recognize that a phoenix is in fact a mystical creature, like a unicorn. Taryn, it's okay. I mean, it's fine that you don't, you're not a big Harry Potter person. It's fine. Like it's, I'm going to deal with it and in the best way that I can, um, because you are other, you like, you like friends a lot. I think that.
0: Yeah. It's good. I feel like I should not tell you that I'm going to tell you this, but I also haven't ever seen Gilmore girls.
1: I know you haven't and that's okay. That's okay. Um, it's fine. It's fine. Like I'm just going to deal with it. Um, I used to get really up in arms when people had never read Harry Potter or watched Gilmore girls, but I've also realized that there are people who think it's completely bizarre that I can't read nonfiction without wanting to die. So you know, it takes all kinds of kinds. We're all here on this earth together. And if I just have to explain Harry Potter references to people, like that's
0: fine. I can yeah. do that. I, I may, and this is a topic probably for another episode, but we're going to go down a little rabbit trail here because yes, rabbit trails. my not having seen or read Harry Potter or Gilmore girls or game of Thrones or Yellowstone or tiger King, Can all relate back to the fact that I belong to the withdrawing stance as a type nine. And in the withdrawing stance, we move away from people. So we don't like follow the crowd and do things that the like lots of people are into. Like I've never seen those things. And I don't have like, I don't have any FOMO about it. I don't, I don't feel like I'm missing out having not seen it. But like I said, that's probably a topic for another episode. It is. But I mean,
1: another aside, I'm going to get skewered for saying this. Probably you're not actually missing out. So Bert, my husband, everybody, he's a five. You guys know this. We will watch mainstream things sometimes, um, in order to make fun of them. That is why we watch Yellowstone. And you can get all up in arms about this, you guys. Yellowstone is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I know that's part of the appeal, okay? But it's ridiculous. Game of Thrones, also ridiculous, and the books are better. So there's just as much gratuitous murder in the books as there is in the show. Anyway... Um, Taryn, you're not. Is you're not missing out on anything? You are watching um, your your true. I was gonna say true crime.
0: Your you know your crime shows.
1: You're just gonna it's fine. It's
0: I watched fine. SVU. Have seen mm-hmm. like yep. all five hundred and whatever episodes.
1: Mm-hmm. And that is your happy place.
0: I've seen Friends multiple, all the episodes multiple times, mm-hmm. and now I'm making that happen with the Golden Girls.
1: Nice. I appreciate that. So I'm glad you're doing that because not everybody's into the Golden Girls. And if you're not in the Golden Girls, like, I don't know. I don't know about you. I don't know. Okay. We need to get out of this rabbit trail too. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, we don't need to
0: start quoting Golden Girls. Getting us back on track. Picture it happiness and fulfillment. I just quoted Sophia. Getting us back on track. The next motivation is happiness and fulfillment. This motivation belongs to the type sevens. They fear missing out on something fun, being bored, deprived, trapped, limited. Their desire is being happy, fulfilled, and satisfied. Their weakness is gluttony. And again, they're not gluttonous after all the foods. Their gluttonous after all the fun and exciting, exhilarating things. Their longing is to hear you will be taken care of. Type sevens are joyful,
1: enthusiastic, and social. They radiate optimism. I kind of think, I mean, I like to say sevens are the most fun because they kind of are. They love variety in life and are often seeking after the next exciting thing. They plan a trip while they're still on a trip. Type sevens do not want to be limited or feel bored, and constantly chasing after the next stimulating thing to help fill them up. They are able to reframe in the moment and often remember events differently than others. They kind of, their brains reframe stuff to be more uh, optimistic, more fun, more exciting. And that's, that's how they move through the world.
0: That with that, we have made it through all nine types. And as a reminder, we start with eight, always we start with eight, because if you don't start with eight, eights can have the tendency to get bored and move on to something else. Also, if you don't put sevens last, sevens have a tendency after they hear about their type to not pay attention to any of the other types and go Googling about the type seven. And we want everyone to have knowledge about all the types because it's really helpful when we're communicating with others, even if we don't know their types, just being able to recognize that people are motivated differently than we are or may be motivated differently than we are is super, super helpful in having constructive conversations extending grace things of that nature
1: i'm really glad that you mentioned that because our enneagram type does not exist in a vacuum you know it's if you know the diagram of the enneagram it's kind of a a y star situation um it's a very interconnected group and also you know, you're not just your type. We'll go into this in later episodes. I mean, you are just your type, but you also go certain places in sickness and in health. It's really stress and health. But if you've been around for a while, you know about my, my wedding vows that I like to talk about. But you, you also, you, you can kind of, then you lean on your wings and then you've got other things going on. So it's really, really helpful to know. I mean, obviously you're probably not gonna know as in depth about all the types as you are about your own, cause you're not feeling those. But like Taryn said, even if you don't know somebody's types, it's, it's really helpful to know that there are other motivations and also how you are going to show up. And that's where the self-reflection comes in. If you know that there are certain types who aren't going to receive the way you communicate or are going to have trouble or, you know, whatever it is, you can, you can kind of temper that if you need to, and not, I become so so typey of your type that is really good English everyone that is very (laughs) it makes lots of sense so yeah it's good to listen about all the types and and I mean if you're like me you want all your friends to go take this test so you and your family so you know what type they are and then you can like relate to them better and stuff so shameless plug you should have every. Everyone you know listen to our podcast so that they can know what type they are, so their relationships can be better, right, team?
0: Yes, yes.
1: Friends, if you have made it through my silliness of this episode, um, I'm sorry and thank you. The next episode, um, we will—I was going to say—we'll try not to record at night, but like maybe we will because Kirby doesn't nap anymore. So here we are. Our next episode, we're going to talk about dress insecurity. Also known as sickness and health, except not—that's not what it is. This is a really, really helpful thing to help you figure out your type, and also to know when you know your type, because this is where, in my experience, is where a lot of growth happens when you can kind of figure out how you can tell when you're stressed, when you're secure, when you're in sickness and health, you know that stuff. So, uh, as usual, if you enjoy what you heard today, please. Please give us a rating. And if you're going through this listeners and you have questions of any kind about types, about typing, um, let us know or just sit on them. Cause eventually we're going to put up a Q and a box in the, at type it out on Instagram at type it out podcast so that we can answer those in a Q and a Q&A session later on. So just think about those. If you have questions pop them up, save them. And until next time listeners. Tell all your family and friends who don't know their Gram type to come listen to this, so we can we can help them. Here we go. Okay, so when we lived in New Mexico, one of the houses we lived in New Mexico, it was a double wide on the pasture, a foundation like if you, there was just on the pasture. Like there were some places where like in the bathroom, the master bath under the bathtub wasn't sealed, And so you could like look around and see dirt, which not the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in the desert. Right. Um, I, I I gather they have since fixed it because, because when we lived in the house, um, we had a pack rat issue, you know, like if you're listening to this, you're like, you rodents, all, all ranch houses have some degree of rodents. Like we've been on a mouse catching run man, I'm going to make it sound gross because if you've been following me on Instagram, since we moved in this house, you know how many mice I caught when we moved in here, but we had a pack rat and we all know pack rats steal stuff. We had a pack rat stealing my makeup. And if you guys know, (laughs) I am a beauty counter person. (laughs) So it was like stealing the good shit out of my, he chewed a hole through the back of one of the drawers in the bathroom and was stealing my makeup and like hair clips and stuff, which like, come on, come on. So we trapped that one, but he had a friend. He had a friend, everyone. And that pack rat got stuck in our heating vents and yeah, Aaron's making a good face. If you've never seen a pack rat, just picture like a rat but big. These suckers are big and they have like weird furry tails, the, the pack rats they have in New Mexico. So we had a pack rat in our heating vent in our house and they that, that thing was so loud. Um, And so my husband being a ranch fellow, you know, do it yourself. Independent, it was the only thing we can do to shoot it. it. was the only thing we can do. Everyone was shoot the pack rat. So at the time we only had two children. Um, I think I was pregnant with Kirby. My sons who were four at the time put on their sheriff outfits and got out their fake pistols and very long story short Bert shot a pack rat in our heating vent in the middle of our living room everyone did not shoot a hole in the heating vent just right in the pack rat Mm -hmm. and so Bert's five we had a pack rat situation he lifted it out with some kitchen tongs which we then threw away um and then we didn't have a pack rat in the heating vent anymore, and that was one of the most redneck things that's ever happened to me um that a twenty two pistol was fired inside my home intentionally with the purpose of killing a a large a rodent of unusual size and if you know what movie that's from so that's what happened with pack rat um it was not a proud moment for me, but uh. You know, it's just what you got to do. It's what you got to do when.
0: Wait, what movie is that from? The Rodent of a... Princess Bride. Oh, I. The Rodents of.
1: Okay, good. Okay, because <laughs> I adore that movie. I love a good.
0: My name so... is Nico Montoya. You so... My... <laughs> so a couple years ago. Um one of our friends was working with us here and she brought a cat during calving season and she brought a calf in and she named him Wesley because he was only mostly dead.
1: <laughs> oh it's so good. Oh it's so good. <laughs> oh man. Listeners, if you're listening to these bloopers, first of all, bless you. Second of all, you have had a moment in your life that is directly referenceable uh, to The Princess Bride, please share that with us. because Also, if you like that movie, you should listen to, not read, listen to As You Wish. Because it's narrated and written by Carrie Elwes. you know, the old uh, Dread Pirate Roberts himself, also known as Wesley. Um, it's narrated by him and it has so many fun things about The movie and about the whole cast and yeah we had a cast uh, a cast we had a calf named audrey Audrey the giant for very obvious reasons but
0: (laughs) well the backstory is that his mother was unable to feed him and thus was unintentionally starving him